What you're about to hear is an interview that we started by accident, and uh, this is the current episode of the Interesting People podcast. I am joined by Eduardo Sanchez, the co-director, co-writer, co-creator, the one of the people behind the Blair Witch Project. How you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. There we go. And also Jeffrey Koholtz? Kai Holtz. Kai Holtz. The $60 last name, bro. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, Phenomenology, Inc.? Uh, you got it. Yeah, that's there right. That's got right. the company, not the man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, we're here discussing the Blair Witch Project and uh, the event that's going to be happening here in downtown Frederick. It's I mean, that was your pet project, it seems. Absolutely. From everything I've read, it seems. Well, it was, it was Dan, Myrick, and me, mm-hmm. basically. We we started it, and then, but it, it was very collaborative. So, you know, we ended up with really five main partners that, that contributed quite a bit to the film. Okay. Well, I mean, you know what? Let's just do this in reverse. We'll do the introduction at the end. I kind of want to get into this. So, And that's the thing that strikes me that's interesting about the Blair Witch Project is it seems like the most collaborative project I've ever read about. Oh, yeah. Improv (laughs) from the actors, the you guys actually all camped out together. It's like... Yeah. I mean, Blair Witch taught me, like, the biggest lesson it taught me was, like, to basically back away as a director. Like, sometimes the best directing is just to kind of leave let your the people do your work and i still use it to this day like I, I do a lot of television now and you know it's a lot of like you know you go in there and you give them a little bit of the guidance but then you know they know their jobs you just kind of step away and see what they do and then you adjust with blair witch it was basically you know dan and i wrote this script with no dialogue we uh cast the film out of new york city we knew that we were that we're, we weren't going to have that the actors were going to have to improv everything so we just basically found three actors that were really great improv artists and f- felt like they were real. Like, there's a lot of improv, um, you know, that's kind of comedic. And, you know, m- most people think improv is, like, comedic and stuff. You know, that's – I mean, that's, that's that's a whole other skill set. But to do improv where it looks like it's real, like you're really talking to people, that's a, a, a whole different skill set. And uh, Heather, Mike, and Josh were just awesome. So – so basically, we just gave them the cameras, and we would basically we basically try to isolate them as much as possible. Um, and then the crew basically was just working around them, um, giving them guidance. We gave them guidance through these little directing notes. Uh, they weren't allowed to show each other their directing notes, and we just basically tried to give keep them isolated, like kept the, the, any kind of personal contact between the crew and the and the actors to a minimum. So at any point, do you feel like one of the actors thought the other was like the killer or something? There, I mean, possibly. You'd have to ask them. Um, no, that that never came up. Um, they knew that it was a kind of a you know they knew it was supernatural. Something was kind of haunting them, and something was chasing them. And we didn't tell them what we never we let the, we never let them read the script, which is kind of strange for an actor. But um, so they knew something was going to happen, and they knew kind of that you know there was some scary stuff that's going to happen to them at night usually. Um, but they had no idea how the movie was going to end. They didn't even know how many days they were going to be out there. We kind of gave them the general idea that you're going to be out there about a week. Mm. So, and I'm kind of so I'm I'm curious functionally about making that because you'd mentioned like the comedy uh, improv, mm-hmm. and you see that is just they basically just did the same take over and over again. It's like I'm going to try 15 different jokes with that. Yes. I wonder how much of this film was found in the editing. Did you just let them go for a day and you found the best bits, or did you ever? Yeah. Go, hey, be scared again. No, 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 no. I mean, we there was only a, there was only a couple of times that we did uh, retakes, and that was just for purely for technical reasons. Um, one time, the 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 film camera lost its uh, the take up reel, and we had to reshoot it because uh, it, it you know it, it ruined the, the the take. And then at the end in the house, the again the film camera the the light that was using we were using ran out of batteries because we were basically just scraping the equipment together from. <laughs> 
you know, from whoever we could get it from, you know. So we ran out of batteries and basically the, the you know, so, so half the take of, on that first time in the house was all dark. So we had to reshoot that. But otherwise, it's it's basically 21 hours of unique footage, like basically mostly them arguing. But ba- basically there's no retakes. There's no like, all right, do that again. All right, do it again. You know, there's only a couple of times where we did that. But, yeah, so it's 21 hours. And you're right. The movie completely came together in the editing room. I, mean, I think that Dan and I um, – we basically directed them. We did most of the directing and the editing for sure, because we were, you know, we, we had an op- we had so much footage that we had an opportunity to kind of sculpt what was happening between them. We kind of, by editing stuff out, like in the original version of the script, uh, Mike, the sound guy was supposed to be the one that disappears. And then Heather and, and uh, Josh were the ones that at the, in the end that they were supposed to be together. And Dan and I made kind of an executive decision as we were shooting we saw that Heather and, and Josh were fighting a lot. So we were like, you know what, let's remove, see if we remove Josh, maybe, you know, it'd be a different, you know, um, dynamic between Mike and Heather. So we removed Josh and he was very happy to leave because that was like the sixth day at that point. He was ready to go. Um, and, um, and it really worked out well. And then back in the editing room, we basically took out as much of the arguing between Josh and Heather as possible and amped up any, any, confrontations between Mike and Heather to kind of give it like this. Okay, they're fighting, they're fighting, and now they have to kind of live with each other. Um, So, you know, and it worked out. It really worked out well. So those kinds of decisions we made on the fly, but just watching as much of the footage as possible. But most of the time, Mm -hmm. we didn't see any of, you know, we didn't see all the footage until we got back into Florida to the editing room um, because we just had no time to actually sit there and watch hours of footage. So that's one of the things where I think one of the things I don't know how much credit people give, but some of my favorite parts are those human accidental moments, like when she gets her ponytail caught. Oh yeah, like when mm-hmm. you found those kind of stuff, where those are the big things. Like, oh, we got yes, in there. absolutely. I mean, and 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 the shame of it is is that there is a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's probably about an hour more that you could probably add, and obviously it'd be a two and a half hour movie, and it would be only for the hardcore fans. <laughs> um, but. Um, you know, there is actually, there are a lot of really great moments in there that we had to, you know, cut out. But yeah, that's what we were looking for. And that's what Dan and I, I think when we first came up with the idea, we knew that the, you know, again, like with my theory of like backing away as a director is like the idea of like when you give your actors the tools and you find the right actors, you find the right crew, you know, people you trust, because that's kind of the whole thing uh, of pre-production is just trying to find the right people. Um you know, don't be afraid to back up and let them just do their thing because they're going to come up with things that Dan and I, there's no way Dan and I would have been like, hey, okay, so now you get your hair caught in the backpack <laughs> and I want you to react this way. No, it was just kind of leaving them out there. I mean, we had a little directing like the bun- right earlier in that scene, the bundle of sticks that she finds with, you know, Josh's remains, her, his teeth and stuff. Um she or- she originally found that outside her tent and just threw it away and they were about to leave the the area and uh, we were like, we had, we had somebody had to go in there and say, hey, uh, look, you know, open up that, take, take the bundle by itself and, you know, open it up and, you know, don't show Mike, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that moment came across, you know, came, came, but that. So we were, made little adjustments, but mostly it was just them, you know, talking to each other and really just annoying the, the hell out of each other <laughs> and just being tired. And we, by the end, we kind of were, were feeding them less. 
We were basically down to like a power bar and a banana each mm. for the last couple of days. So they were really hungry. They were tired of sleeping in the same tent. <laughs> they were they hadn't showered, you know, in over a week. So, you know, it was very much, um, you know, in the moment. Like we knew that they were going to go through this psychological, you know, kind of uh, experience that was going to really uh, amp up the performances. But could I say, too, from a viewer point of view, which was is which is I think makes it authentically terrifying is that when you're talking about the improv and what have you from a viewer point of view the fact that you were able to open that up um, and have these actors uh, uh, really organically explore this thing it starts to create backstory in real time yeah. so these guys these friends now you know the argumentation feels that much more authentic because they know who they're talking to and and I just think it it, it grounded the piece so much more and uh, and for me as a viewer when I first saw it in the theater um, you know, I, I was scared out of my mind, you know, and um, and a lot of that has to do, I think, with the way you guys approached uh, allowing these actors to uh, to create. And work, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, just just kind of staying out of the way really helped. Did you did you manage to check, like, were there dailies for this thing? Were you able to see as it goes? Yeah. I mean, we basically, you know, we shot it on high eight and then on. Um, you know, basically, you know, Heather was making a film about the Blair Witch, but she was making it on 16 millimeter mm -hmm. film, which was, you know, this the movie took place in 1994, which is kind of like before video, before HD uh, became kind of like the, you know, everybody shoots HD now. Very few people shoot film. Back then, if you wanted, a, if you wanted a documentary, you wanted a movie to really do well, you had to shoot it on film. Like even Blair Witch, when we entered into Sundance. We actually had to strike a film print to, mm. and this was 1999, to actually show the movie. Like they would not show the movie on video, you know. <laughs> and now all the movies are pretty much shown on video at, yeah. at, at the at the at Sundance. Um, so we basically had we, we basically gave them a 60 millimeter camera and some film, but you know it's very expensive. So mm. we kind of had to keep it. Low. I think we had like 20 rolls of film total. Um, so she was shooting her doc on the CP16, and then she was shooting behind the scenes with this high eight camera, which was like consumer grade video at the time. It was like a $500 RCA camera, yeah. and um, that we actually returned to Circuit City afterwards. <laughs> we, had, man, we had to we had to shave the budget off a little bit, so that helped a lot. But that was basically it. I mean, it was basically just them shooting the making of of the movie. So that was kind of like the, the the basics of of what we had. And if we actually if we had more money, we would have probably shot at all on film mm -hmm. it would have been a completely different movie but um you know the video i think helped because it was like we just said we, we just told them videotape everything so yeah. basically they would we would give them fresh tapes a couple times during the day we would take the, the tapes that were already done and then dan and i and greg the the, you know, the the producer that was on the ground during the shooting in maryland um we would watch as much as we could i mean it was a 24-hour day shoot so basically we would sleep when we could and then we would have to basically get all the directing notes ready for the next day for the next morning if we were going to give them directing notes at night and we had to plan what, what was going to happen to them at night we had to hang the stick man we had to you know figure out where they were going to go greg was in charge of the gps that we because we gave them a gps unit to basically guide them through seneca creek state park to where they had to kind of hit like cross the log here and this is the cemetery and this is the stick man forest all the stuff that they had to do we kind of logged we, we walked it beforehand and, and got all the gps coordinates so there was a lot of coordinating so so we would sit down I would say a couple hours a day at the most we would watch the footage but mm -hmm. we were getting so much more footage um, that we would you know we we like I said when we got back we actually sat down and cataloged all the footage and that's when we realized like wow we got something cool because we as directors 
were watching scenes that we had no idea, like we weren't present during the shooting. It's, it was a really weird experience because mm -hmm. it was, it's your, you know, it was our film, but we weren't there during the shooting. So it was very much like watching the movie as an audience member. So there was like certain moments where, like the scene where Mike kicks the, you know, reveals that he kicked the map into the creek. Like that was completely unscripted. That was Mike Williams, like the day before, had like kicked the, the map into the creek and he was like, nobody saw me. You know, we, I thought we were going to have a big, you know, fight about it and go get the map, but nobody saw me. So I was kind of like, I, you know, he told me later, I, I held it to my, you know, just kind of kept it in. And I was like, when am I going to reveal that the map is gone? <laughs> and, the, you know, and if you see the footage, like Heather and Mike are arguing, I'm Heather and Josh are arguing about the map. Where's the map? Did you take it? What, how, you know, don't mess around with this, you know? Um, and then Mike reveals that. And for us as directors, that's the first time we had seen it just like an audience member. So we kind of like were you know, our jaws were kind of on the floor when we saw that. And, and we kind of, at that point, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, man, we might have something cool here, you know? So we knew we had something special, but we just didn't know how it was going to end up, you know, once we finished editing and all that stuff. I mean, with the way that this this came together, all the improv, all that, and, and like eight days improv, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. have you ever had a project that's been anything similar to that? No, not yeah. at all, not at all. I mean, right now, I mean, you know, I'm DGA, Directors Guild of America, and, you know, I have to work with SAG actors. Oh, okay. There's no... There's no way. <laughs> right. You can't do a Stanford I mean, prison experiment. No, <laughs> I mean, we'd have to, there's so many rules that we broke and the, you know, yeah. the meal penalties and just overtime, um, you know, uh, no, you couldn't do that now. I mean, yeah. I guess you could, if you, you know, found some actors that could, that, you know, that were powerful enough to like say, you know, to, to ignore SAG and, you know, yeah. a director that would say no to DG, to the DGA. Yeah. Um, but there are rules in place to protect <laughs> actors from what we did. But that was the amazing thing about yeah. about the three actors is yeah. that, you know, especially Heather, because, you know, it was mostly guys mm -hmm. and on the crew. I mean, my uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, and her sisters helped. Um, Dan Dan Myrick's uh, girlfriend came and helped. So there were some some women, but it was mostly just guys. And, you know, and it was two guys of the in the in the, you know, acting and against her. So she heard the level of trust that she had was unbelievable because she didn't know us. I mean, we had cast her, but we weren't like friends or we didn't know each other other than, you know, the professionally. So she came down and like was literally like, yeah, I'll go in the woods with these two strange guys. And all these guys are going to, you know, haunt me for, you know, for eight sure. days. So it was um, and for us, that was like really important because, you know, the, the fact that they trusted us, you know, we, we made sure that everything was, you know, pre-planned and made sure that. Everything was, you know, that there wasn't any real danger. We had a we had a base camp always nearby where they were camping, so that with radio, you know, with mm. walkie talkies, so that they could contact us if any problems arose. So, uh, and and Greg Hale, who was the the producer, had um, special forces training in the army, so he knew like a lot of this logistical stuff. Yeah. And he's the one that kind of planned everything. And actually, he's the one that had the idea of like why don't we just leave the actors out there? Because we were going to, Dan and I were kind of thinking of, we were definitely going to do an experimental way of shooting the film. Like we were going to leave the actors alone, I think for hours at a time, but we never imagined that we were going to like leave them all the time out there. You know, we were just going to like kind of plan the scenes and then let them shoot for a couple hours, come back, watch the footage and then do another scene. Um, so, you know, once Greg came up with that, we we're like, can we, can we do wow, that? That's insane. Can, you know, yeah, can we? And he was like, and then Dan and I were like, yeah, I think we can do that. So that was, and that was a challenge for us. It's like, how do you direct people 
by basically remote control, you know, yeah. by, you know, by try, not trying not to talk to them. You know, that's a very difficult thing. So, but we trusted them. They trusted us. And, you know, luckily it was an experiment that worked out really well. So I know that I think the ending was a happy accident from having no budget. Yeah. Did anyone, was it one of the actors who was like, I'll stand in the corner, like, no, it was, <laughs> it, I mean, it was, it was a really, it was the most stressful thing in the shoot because Dan and I, you know, we started shooting it and we knew we were going to end the movie in the cellar of this, you know, dilapidated house in Patapsco State Park. But other than that, we had no idea what was going to happen in that cellar, you know, and we were like, how do you end a movie that is basically just people walking through the woods being lost and being haunted by, you know, unseen things? Like, how do you bring that experience to a climax that, you know, at least satisfies some of the audience, if not, you know, most of the audience. Um, and uh, so we started shooting with still no ending. And um, every day, Greg, who was the producer, who was kind of the budget guy, who was always like, do you guys want come up with an ending yet? <laughs> uh, no, no, we're thinking about it. Okay, well, you have four days right. or you have five days now, you know, and, and, he, and he was concerned with like, if we came up with an idea that, you know, we needed to build something or dig a hole or make some kind of special effect, a rig or something, yeah. we were running out of time. You know, we were like, well, you know, we're already stretched really thin. There's only like 10 people in this crew, uh, a lot of them part-time. So it was very uh, stressful. But we came up with the idea of just the, the, the like, the concept was basically just like somebody coming into a room and, you know, saying, hey, Mike, what's going on? And Mike not responding. And at first it was him sitting in the in the middle of the room just kind of, you know, with his back to us. Mm. Um, and then it became him standing in the corner. Um, so for us it was like, you know, there was enough of a supernatural kind of feeling where it's like, okay, Mike is either in on it or he's been taken over by something because why would he not turn around and say, Heather, you know, back up or, you know, get out, let's get out of yeah, here. Yeah. Why, you know, he right. was under obviously some right. trance. He wasn't on the ground, which mm -hmm. means he wasn't like incapacitated. He was in, he was standing. So that to us was like enough of like a little supernatural beat to kind of get the audience involved and like, get, you know, give, give a little bit of a resolution to the mm -hmm. audience, even though, you know, it had no real resolution and that's kind of the way we wanted it. You know, we wanted it to be very much a mystery and kind of like, here's just the footage. You make up your own mind, you know, about what really happened out here. And I think that's maybe the best thing because a lot of movies will go way too kind of crazy Yeah, where it's like you have this normal occurrence and then somehow in the last 15 minutes, Oh, Hey, there's the devil. It's it's a, it's a it's a problem with horror movies, and I think that like because you know we we develop horror movies and we develop TV shows, and there's always this issue of like, okay, so why did it happen? Why is it happening now? And what is actually happening? And and for us, it was like, well, you know, like movies that we loved when we were kids didn't really give too much of an explanation. Like The Exorcist, basically, okay, it's it's yeah, some kind sure. of some That's demon took exactly. over. It doesn't say, oh, the demon, this 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 girl did 100%. something to the demon back in the... No, there's no backstory. It's just the demon came in that little idol and somehow got into this little girl and just was messing with her, you know? Yeah. And even like Amityville Horror, like, okay, there's there was murders in this thing, but it doesn't explain why there are ghosts mm -hmm. or what is, what exactly, you know, there's never at the end saying, yeah. oh, this is, it's kind of like the Scooby-Doo, everybody wants the Scooby-Doo ending. Right. Yeah. Here it is, it, yeah. was the, it was the undertaker the whole time, you know, or it was the <laughs> owner or whatever, so... Um, and, and even now, like I see in movies where horror movies, like at a certain point, they try to explain everything and it, and and it kind of loses its fear. Like, yeah. the, like yeah. the, the scare potential kind of drops when you explain everything. And I know you, you want to explain some stuff because you don't want to be so nebulous that people are like, what, what is going on in this movie? But I think with horror, there's a certain, 
you know, there's a certain mystery that you have to leave there or else you kind of run out of, you know, you, you, you run out of the scary juice that that's kind of what what runs, you know, what, yeah. what horror movies run on. You yeah, know? But, di- but uh, did you know going into this um, that you and your partners were never going to actually, you know, visually show anything paranormal? But, yeah, I, I know that you guys had no budget, but yeah. I'm, yeah. was that actually the or did you get halfway through this like, oh, I really need to see yeah, was a there like a, Is there a terrible alternate <laughs> reality curious. where you guys oh, bought just... like a Walmart witch costume? <laughs> no, but we were I mean, we were about to. I mean, we were like, you know, like especially in those last few days when we were trying to come up with an ending and we had no ending, we were like, you know, do we have, you know, one of our ideas was like, do you have when the camera falls, do you have like these these ho- like these hooves, these hooved oh, things oh, wow. go by? And we were like, yeah, that could be cool, but it also could be really cheesy and mm-hmm. just, you know, ruin it. But my, our thing was that we had no money, so it was like, yeah. okay, who's going to build us something that looks good? that, you know, for nothing, for, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. So we had no resource, you know, we had a very limited yeah. resources. But I think if somebody would have come in and said, hey, I'll give you $50,000 to like, and I'll build you a suit of like this, I think we would have been like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, let's, it's let's, hard, have it, yeah. let's have it come out of the ground, you know, and they <laughs> attack, you know, Heather. But, but you know, it's like, it was kind of like, you know, the whole thing of Blair Witch was just like kind of happy coincidences and like just really good luck. Um, so like the idea that we didn't have any, any budget kind of helped us at the end because we kind of had to be really creative yeah. about creating the, right. the, 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 scare at the end, you know? So one of the things, and I know these days, particularly when you talk about, I feel like they're marketing and, and movies are like, now it's like they exist together, but they don't play together. I remember the, like, it's really happening. The, they're missing posters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was 14 yeah. when that movie came yeah. out. Yeah. So kind of buying it. Did you have a, other than like creating a, what was it called? The curse of the Blair witch. Mm-hmm. Like how much of a role did you have in that? Or? Well, we we, uh, we were the only ones marketing the movie before Artisan, which is the company that bought us, mm-hmm. um, the distributor, uh, you know, purchased us at Sundance. So we basically um, in uh, around we were we started we shot the movie in '97 in October of '97, and we started editing in '98. I moved yeah. I moved to Orlando to work on it full time, and. Uh, we um, we had some interest from a, a showing on this show called Split Screen that showed on Bravo and and you know the internet was like you know so small back then you know it was just tiny yeah and it was kind of like the Wild West even even more than it is now um, and uh, so we were like okay let's put a website up just to kind of give people a, you know somewhere to go to actually discuss things and actually you know see what the hell we're doing and um, and I had a little website building experience from a previous job so on you know front page 98 i built this <laughs> website um and i did my best you know and um so that's where the marketing began yeah. and basically we started doing with a, t- a timeline and just kind of a, a, a you know the, just the facts of the case mm-hmm. like the legend of the blair witch you know what happened to the footage who heather was who mike was who joshua was um, you know, and just kind of ran by, you know, just kind of gave information like this is a footage we have where Haxon Films is editing a, a movie based on this, a documentary based on this footage in the legend, you know, it'll be coming out soon. And we got like a phenomenal response for mm-hmm. a website that was like not marketed. And this is before YouTube, before Facebook, yeah. before any of that stuff. Yeah. So it was very much like just homegrown and just kind of grassroots people telling each other. Uh, about this creepy little, you know, video that they had seen, you know, because we had little video clips and stuff and stills from the movie. We had Heather's journal, which was like a big thing, like, 
you know, this, we had Heather Donahue keep a journal during mm-hmm. the shooting, and, um, you know, it was pretty cool. And so we put it page by page. That was like a big thing for the website, but it was a very small thing. But by the time we got into Sundance, we had um, like 10,000 people on our mailing list, which is pretty That's unbelievable amazing. for yeah, that. That's incredible. For artists yeah. picked you up. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Like, so, and, and one of the things that happened was that a lot of, the, like, the fans, we realized how, how like, the word of mouth was going to, help this movie because the fans were like really into it and, and kind of became ambassadors for the movie like uh, a fan named Jeff Johnson who was one of the original Blair Witch guys that kind of came in on the in, on the website early he called up um, it, it was like a huge morning show uh, in LA he was in, he lived in LA and he had the morning show guys actually go onto the website during the show and <laughs> you can't buy that br- man. no it's, you it's, can't it's pay you, yeah, you can't yeah, buy yeah. that and you know all you know that yeah. at that point everything started shooting up like people just started you know bombarding the site, um, and then once Artisan bought us you know they they were aware of the website, and they were aware that you know we kind of knew we, you know we knew our movie best and Artisan was like the perfect distributor for the movie like they really did ask us for advice they they so they took my website down and they basically built a new one and they mm. put it up little by little as the movie was you know about to be released and then they came to us and they said do you have any ideas for like a tv show like a like a special like a one hour special and we were like of course we have an idea you know so that's when we wrote and we did you know curse the blair witch um and then we were involved in everything we were involved in the comic book adaptations and we were involved in the dossier which is mm. like this you know like a like a book about the case um, and, and, and Artisan was smart enough to kind of, you know, I mean, they obviously had their own people and their own, you know, they had their own expertise, but they definitely took a lot of input from us and they kind of took what we were already doing and kind of just amplified right. it. Um, and it was a great partnership. It really was like, I, I don't think the movie would have, um, done what it did if it wasn't for Artisan. Like they were just a perfect yeah. kind of distributor that, that had, you know, they had resources, mm-hmm. but they hadn't had a huge hit yet. So they were like willing to take right. a lot of risk, yeah. and that's and what they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they had done Pi, the, the first Aaron Aronofsky movie, the year before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and you know it made like three or four million bucks for that movie, which is pretty amazing yeah. for that movie. Yeah. So we were like, oh my god, the, the you know, and right. our Artisan was like one of the distributors that we were really kind of you know trying to get. Yeah. So we were really happy when they were kind of stepped up and took the movie from us. So that's so with with Artisan and all that kind of stuff. It does seem always crazy to me, and I, I don't think you had any involvement in the follow-ups, that they didn't just do another found footage film. It was more like they wanted to – they looked at that lore that the marketing created. Went yes. Like, Let's make a movie about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, the the sequel was weird because, first of all, you know, Dan and I and the rest of the, the, the Hacks and Guys, which is the company that we formed to yeah. make Blair Witch – None of us were really horror guys. Like, we were film fans and we loved, you know, horror movies along with action and, you know, all the other genres. But we weren't like, you know, we didn't have like 10 horror yeah. projects lined up after Blair Witch. So uh, after Blair Witch, we kind of like, you know, people were like, oh, let's, you know, they were sending us scripts to do more horror movies. But we, you know, Dan and I had been in this dark space for so long mm-hmm. that we wanted to do something different. We tried to do a comedy and it didn't work out. And that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we basically, you know, became horror filmmakers. And we had to, and at least for me, I had to learn to be a horror filmmaker, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of like the, the most difficult thing after Blair Witch. But, yeah, it was very much like just... You know, we were taking what you know what was happening to us and just dealing with it as best as, as best we could because it, it, 1999 was like such a crazy year yeah. for us. Um, it was just like one monumental event after another, <laughs> and it was tough to kind of keep 
you know, everything kind of in perspective. Um, and we made a lot of mistakes, but I think, you know, we're really, I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, we were all kind of, we're all still sane and none of us, is, <laughs> none of us is in rehab. Um, so we kind of kept each other, you know, together. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the way it happened. And it's it's got to be interesting to look back on that you were a part of something that like whenever huge movies come out like you're, the Blair Witch is tossed in there. It's like when Cloverfield mm-hmm. came out, everyone's like it's the Blair Witch of horror. Like y- yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean it's the the found, the whole found footage thing was kind of a weird thing because mm-hmm. we were and that was kind of we were discussing with the sequel is that you know like found footage wasn't a thing then it was just something that we used to you know you know and we we didn't even call it found footage we called it pov because that's really what it is um so then when you know there's a lot of kind of copycats that people sent us a lot of movies and there were actually some good ones but it didn't really get popular until cloverfield Mm -hmm. um and i think cloverfield kind of showed people like hey you can use this technique for like a big budget hollywood movie and it works you know and that's when the found footage craze kind of went nuts but for us it was just like you know for us it was a gimmick Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i remember coming back from sundance and you know after we sold the movie and we were like man we could do all kinds of movies with this thing. We could do like a haunted house movie. We could do a, a road movie. We could do a comedy. You know, we could do all this stuff. Yeah. And but we were like, it never entered our minds to do another found footage movie because it was like we don't want to be known as it's a right. gimmick. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and it took me, um, you know, almost like you know, fifteen years to do another found footage movie. Um, and it's because I think the 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 whole found footage genre had like evolved from Blair Witch to another to a different kind of thing. So and I was I was really interested in kind of examining that. Yeah. Um, you used to get offered found footage stuff. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I mean the found footage thing is kind of like um, it's kind of lost its appeal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think something will come along and like revitalize it. I think again, but it needs a new spark. So I do get. A lot of stuff, but I my thing is that like unless it like makes sense to the yeah. story, yeah. you know you can't just shove found footage right. into yeah. everything. You know what I mean? Um, well, and and the way that data data storage now things are now mm-hmm. the found footage thing has like a completely different meaning because everything is just captured in real time. So yeah, it's a good point. yeah. It's yeah. weird to be like yeah. I mean, because for us it was like the the whole phenomenon that we were kind of examining and we thought that would work with the movie was the idea of like home movies. Yeah, like. There's a certain kind of, you know, idea that if, if if something is shaky and badly framed and the sound is bad and the lighting is bad and you can kind of barely hear things and see things, it comes off as amateurish and so it becomes real. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's something like my dad would video, to, you know, would yeah. shoot on, on Super 8 when we were kids. And everybody at that point, you know, everybody pretty much everybody had a camcorder and there was and there wasn't iPhones but there was this thing of like everybody was videotaping their kids growing up and stuff and i think that's where Dan and i were like you know if we make it look like a home movie that was yeah. basically our thing make it look like a home movie like make it look part of, make the behind the scenes look amateurish because mm-hmm. they're they're not nobody's going to see this they're just videotaping just for you know to, yeah. to to have some kind of record of the making of it you know um and i think that's what kind of switched people in the in people's brains they were like is this real? It looks like my whole <laughs> yeah. movies. So, and then, and then, so, but now, you know, it's like, you know, everybody videotapes everything. Yeah. So yeah. there isn't, uh, it isn't the same anymore, but you're right. It, it has changed. And, and a found footage movie would have to be, it has to be completely different than what we did on Blair Witch for it's, now. Yeah. Because the, the, the finding, the idea of a found footage is like, I don't even know how you make that. Like no one just finds stuff anymore. It's no. Like if you found like well, a box a contemporary, full of VHS yeah. tapes, you're like, 
Sure. Yeah. What are what's on these things? And you just go yeah. back to Facebook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's why, you know, like it's called found footage, but it's not really an accurate description of yeah. the genre, you know, because it doesn't have to be found. It can just be like you were saying, it can just be a feed coming off of Facebook yeah. or YouTube or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, but it's still, you know, I, I guess the found footage kind of caught on and that's yeah. what the people are calling it now. So and that, that helps kind of ground it. I think that's wonderful. it makes it different than, you know, documentaries or, you know, you know, yeah. and you could do POV stuff, but I don't think that it has the, 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 the same kind of quality as found footage, yeah. you know, it's just a different kind of thing, you know? So I was looking, it looked like you do a lot of TV these days. That's yes. like your name, your main bread and butter. I had to, since I, I, I like the show, you did Supernatural? Yes. Yeah, I've done, <laughs> I've done, I've done four episodes and I'm going back for another one because uh, this is the last season. Yeah. I'm going back in January to do like my final episode. Um, and they're only doing like, I think 15 episodes this yeah. season. So oh, I'm, that's cool I'm, to I'm, manage to make the last. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of at the end. I'm going to be like, I think one of the you know, like four or five last episodes. And so, and you know, and I've only been on that show for about five years now and, yeah. but it's really a family. I mean, there's like, I think like about half the crew has been there from the very beginning. Wow. Um, <laughs> the, 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 you know, director of photography has like, have, has shot every single episode except the ones he got, he was out sick for an episode or two and yeah. then he directed a few, but he's, he's DP'd every wow, single man. episode, like over 300 episodes, you know? <laughs> And that's one of the things I'm always curious about the difference between movies and television because with movie, you can kind of like n- – nothing is 100% a single person. However, mm-hmm. you're the director of a movie. It's still your project. When you direct a TV show, you're walking into someone's yeah. thing and trying to guide it for a day. It's a different uh, It's a different job. Yeah. You know, like the mechanics of it are, you know, very similar like once you get down into it. But, yeah, the responsibilities are different. Like film is more director-driven, mm-hmm. like – a lot of times the you know in not in my movies because I love to have the writers around um, but in a lot of movies they don't let the writers on the set like basically once you've written the script they do not unless you want to pay for yourself and sometimes they like no we don't want to some directors don't want the writers around at all yeah and um, television it's different it's like you know the writer it's really a writer's medium so you kind of go in there as a director and, and all your th- you know my duty as a director is just basically I'm the, the engineer for the train mm-hmm. hop on the train keep it moving yeah. <laughs> don't slow it down don't don't speed it up too much you yeah. know just keep it at the right speed don't piss anybody off don't make any mistakes yeah. and then get off and let the other conductor come on you know and 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 drive the train to the, for the next episode so it's challenging because you have to like in, when I do new shows you have to you know you're like the new kid on the block and you know there is a certain amount of like nervousness to that but mm-hmm. they treat directors so well i mean they, i yeah. think i think they treat us too good <laughs> really i mean i think there's a certain amount of like you know you know weird like yeah. kind of thing with a director that i don't like you know but because for me it's like you know let me carry my own stuff and <laughs> yeah. don't oh. you know don't baby me you know what i mean and i think there's a certain thing of like let me do this for you can i bring you something can i you know whatever and um it just kind of gets on my nerves, but so, but but yeah, it's t- totally different. And also, you know, with a when you're doing a movie, the director is much more tied to the material mm-hmm. because hopefully more tied yeah. to the material because you know they, hopefully they've chosen it or they were they were or they pitched it to make it a certain way or maybe they wrote it. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know directors write their own stuff, so you're more co- directly connected to the material with a uh, you know with the and and you and that way you can you can kind of have a little more leeway with the actors like okay I need you to do this and I need you to hit this beat and whatever and TV it's like it's different because the you know there's nothing you're going to tell an actor that's been working on a show for 5 or 6 years doing the same character that you know you're not oh, going to yeah. tell him anything new about the character <laughs> so you kind of just again like I learned that skill from Blair Witch is like you 
you set up the scene, you block it, you make sure, you know you figure out where the cameras are going to go, and you have to have an idea of that beforehand. But and then you and then but you're open to 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 people to the actor saying, you know, I'd like to come in from this side, or I'd like to end up here. Can this work? Whatever, and you you know, and you're trying to get through the scene as quickly as possible because you're oh, you never have enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's just basically set up the scene, answer the questions that you need to answer, and then back away and see what people create. And if you see something that, oh my God, I don't have an end to the scene, or I don't have, I need a little beat here at the end because it's in the script, I need to show this, then you go in and say, okay, I need you guys, instead of looking this way at the end, I need you to look this way and give me a little moment, we're going to cover it this way. So there is that, but mostly it's just kind of like matching what the show looks like and kind of just don't, you know, don't upset people and don't, like I said, just keep the train moving. Don't, don't, you know, don't be uh you know i mean add your artistic little mm-hmm. beats to it and your you know your your you know your vision to it but don't you know it's not your show what are you hoping for are you hoping for more tv in the future movies or yeah i mean i i mean i've been doing tv now pretty much exclusively for about five years and i'm really not desperate but i would really love to do a a, a movie now because like i've you know it's just like everything else man it's like yeah. the more you do it the better you become so i think i'm just such a much better uh, more well-rounded director now than I ever have been. Mm-hmm. So I would love to just go and do a feature just to kind of show, kind of you know, proofs. Yeah. Just just kind of play with the with the toys, with the tools that I've you know acquired in the last couple of years. But I love television. Mm-hmm. I think television is more. Um, it, it, it's, it has more uh, room because there's so much more of it, and I think people take more chances. Yeah. So our big thing right now is to get a TV show, and the the, the and for me the biggest thing is like to bring a show to Maryland so that I can sleep in my own yeah, bed <laughs> as I work. You know what I mean? And that would, yeah. that's the main thing. And we have a show right now that we are in the really early stages of showing it to the mm-hmm. right people that I think would be a perfect show for Maryland. Um, so that's kind of yeah. what we're doing. But the, our, the first thing is just to get a TV show going. And we've gotten close a couple times. We have we, we pitch pretty much every two or three months. We have a new yeah. idea. Um, and we're getting close. And I think we, we're about to pitch something uh, at the end of this month. Um, with a, with Sam Raimi oh, cool. attached as executive producer, so we're all really excited about that. And we have, I think, you know, we have a pretty good chance of that happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, television for us is like like the ideas that you that we pitch for television don't mm-hmm. work in the movies. Like movies have become so you know kind of limited. Yeah. Um, unless you're like a huge director like Quentin Tarantino or something that can basically do anything. Um, but mostly you know for us mortals, <laughs> they try to keep us. They try to keep us in these boxes. Yeah. And especially as a horror filmmaker, it's very frustrating because they they have certain rules. And my whole thing is like horror is the whole the whole idea of horror is to break the rules. Yeah. You know because that's how you scare people by showing doing things that they don't expect. You know. So it's mm-hmm. con- it's a constant struggle, but yeah, I'd like to do a feature. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, I, I have a few in development, yeah. some that are closer than others, and yeah, I'd like to do a feature right you know soon. So we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Blair Witch. Are there any other things, any other things you've ever made that you would be you'd love to be able to celebrate like a big anniversary or revisit as well in your career? I mean, you know, you know, all my movies are special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm asking you to pick children at this point. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I, the, I actually, I mean, the only, I mean, I mean, look, I love all my films, and you know, I, yeah. definitely, you, you know, you see your mistakes, you see the good things, you know, and usually as a, you know, as same as as parent, you see a lot of bad things that yeah. other people don't see. But I think the movie that I'm, you know, that I think is my best movie, um, other than Blair Witch, was a movie called Lovey Molly that I did in Hagerstown, hmm. and it's cool because it's weird because like the the my favorite films that I've done I've shot in Maryland, yeah. you know Blair Witch, which is like the most successful one, and then Lovely Molly, which is my favorite. 
Um, and uh, so I think that there's a, you know, that's where the idea of like trying to bring something here to me is really appealing because I think there's something here, at least for me, mm-hmm. that just feels natural. Um, and also I just want to bring work to the, to yeah. the, uh, to the, you know, area, but I would love to do, you know, little screenings of, you know, my other yeah. movies, you know, it's just Blair, Witch is kind of, you know, that's, yeah, it's, it's like the, it's the grand slam at the, yeah. in the world series, you know, to win the, you know, game seven of the world <laughs> series, you know, yeah. um, it, you know, so, and, and, and it happened early, you know, at the be early at the beginning of yeah. my career. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of content with the idea that I'm never going to experience that again i mean it would be nice to have success again you know and have some hits and whatever but you know blair witch that's kind of a it was a, just a phenomenon mm-hmm. that 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 nobody could have predicted was there any draft of the blair witch where it was the snallygaster that they <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh that was the really low budget version um <laughs> no i mean I, and, and that's the thing man is there's so many you know especially around here like there's yeah. so many cool little legends that yeah. you know you can uh you know look into and stuff so it's a very rich area all right well the yeah, definitely this area in particular i think it's one reason you guys are putting on the event at the weinberg center you're inviting uh people that were part of the blair witch that didn't exactly get the red carpet treatment yes like all you know all the premieres were in new york and la and then we've had some 20th anniversary screenings you know in new york and you know uh, florida and you know all over the place that we've been to sundance had a 20th anniversary screening and uh I told Carl Glorioso, who's the you know uh, who runs the Frederick Film Office, man, we should do a, a Blair Witch screening for you know just the locals, the people yeah. that that really helped make the film. Um, and then he got these wonderful guys involved, all these people, this team to to make this event really special. And um, and for but for me it was yeah it was mostly about like getting just the people that aren't really film professionals but were definitely mm-hmm. a part of the movie to kind of come together and just celebrate and like see them again before you know we're all dead <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a lot to look forward to so jeff are there any big parts of the event that you're looking forward to oh well for sure i mean uh just the idea that we're like uh ed was saying that we're all it's you know the, the locals are going to be there these you know the, the cast and crew uh who are going to participate it's going to be a, a really unique experience for everyone to come out but also uh, there's going to be um a VIP reception, a pre-show reception, uh, uh, where you can get ticks, uh, tickets, uh, I think, at MDTicks.com. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, show up and with a chance to meet the cast and crew uh, uh, before the screening. So that's something that we're really excited about as well. So it gives folks a, you know, a, a, a different opportunity to, to re-experience this, this, uh, this film. Yeah, and also uh, all the proceeds are you know go to charity, so it's kind oh, of fantastic. a yeah, it's a it's a good you know it's a good event. None of us are getting rich off this no. thing, believe me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's cool, and you know we're gonna have light hors d'oeuvres at the VIP yeah. reception, and it would be cool just to kind of hang out and then go see the movie. Yeah. Then after there's gonna be a Q and A after the, the the screening, and we're gonna give some stuff away. We got some signed stuff and some hats and all kinds of Blair Witch junk that we got to, <laughs> to give away. It'll so. be no, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really yeah. fun night, really fun night. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't rehunt down that camera you sold back. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I wish. Oh well, thank you so much for your time. No, appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And now Tarantino style.